Where does yesterday's future, which is already here, ready here, ready here, ready here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now. Where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. (laughs) Bonnie D. in the house. I never remember whether I said the future or the past. We're just going to go up in the air. Welcome to Technology Revolution. I hope the show today is music to your ears. No, we're not playing music, but we're talking about it. And as my listeners and viewers around the world and panel just wave hello to LinkedIn, wave hello to Facebook so everybody can see you. There we go. That's it. Nice big waves. And we'll take pictures after to my panel. Um, As you know, I've been using something called ChatGPT, which is an AI machine learning based chatbot for my introductions. And I always give credit where credit is due. So our topic today is part of a kind of a sub-series I've been doing, talking about the impact of AI on different industries. We did one recently on Human novelists versus AI novelists. I'm putting that word in air quotes because is AI really a novelist? Well, it's writing novels, it's drawing pictures, it's creating music. So today we're talking about music and the impact of AI technology, and I have a wonderful panel for you. So let me do my opening, and then we will introduce our four special guests today. So I asked ChatGPT, tell me about music and AI, and here is the response, AI, and it gave me in parentheses, artificial intelligence, so we know what we're talking about, is being increasingly used in music composition, there you have it, to create original pieces of music. AI algorithms can analyze vast amounts of existing musical data to identify patterns and generate new musical compositions based on those patterns. Now, that's a key, everybody. Think about that. It learns from the patterns. The process is often referred to as generative music or algorithmic music. However, some critics argue that this type of music lacks that creative spark that comes from human composers. And we have a couple on the panel today. And it may sound repetitive and formulaic, meaning it doesn't have much of a personality. In addition, there are ethical concerns about using AI-generated music without proper attribution or compensation to human musicians and composers. Ethics, privacy, the rights, who owns the rights? We did this with my novelist panel. Who writes the, the who writes the novels? Who owns the rights? And that's getting into a lot of legal issues, IP intellectual property. So I went ahead and asked ChatGPT to give me quotes from some interesting movies that talk about music. And let's see what they said. I have a quote here from Dewey Finn. Many of you may recognize the name played by Jack Black, of course, The School of Rock, a 2003 American musical comedy. And the quote is, I'm not a composer. I'm just a guy who writes music. I thought that was really kind of funny, especially for Serge and for uh, who, who else? We've got Vincent writes songs and Nelson writes songs and Suzanne will talk about AI. So I thought that was perfect for this this group. Then we have another quote from Mia Hall played by Chloe Grace Moretz. I'm not familiar with her. The movie is If I Stay, a 2014 American teen romantic drama. And she said, I believe in the power of music. It can change people's lives. It can inspire people to do great things. Question is, can AI music inspire people? Let's go to the next quote. Hank Moody, played by David Duchovny. The movie, ooh, Californication. I didn't even want to say that. American comedy drama TV series 27 to 2014. And the 
The quote is, the best way to write music is to live a life worth writing about. Well, if AI isn't alive, but it's got this database of experiences and patterns, how can it write? Is it alive? We don't know yet. And one more quote. This is from Jackson, Maine, played by Bradley Cooper, of course, in the 2018 version of A Star is Born, musical romantic comedy film. Lady Gaga was his co-star in that one. And here's the here is the quote. I'm a songwriter. Everything I write is a piece of my life. There we go again with a life well lived. So I want you each to wave when I call your name. Serge Hoffman is back. Her Serge, sometimes he calls himself Sergio. Nice to see you. I like the beard and the, I like the, yes, the accoutrements. Thank you very much. We have Nelson Malius. Hello, Nelson. Welcome back. So happy to see you. And then we have a newcomer, Suzanne Beckers. Suzanne, wave hello. There she is from Waldorf, Germany. And then we have Vincent James. Hello, Vincent. Vincent and I have known each other for many, many years, and he's a music education person as well as a performer and musician. So there we go, stellar panel. And I'm going to ask them all for their take on the future of music composers and AI technology. Question, the sweetest sounds? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Buddy D in the house, happy to be here. This is going to be a very interesting show. I want to tell you all that I was at the National Publicity Summit last night. I met about 50 budding authors who were looking for publicity, but one of the people I met plays the didgeridoo. Does anybody know what that is? That's an Australian instrument that's, Serge, it's four feet long. It stretches almost across the room. It looks like a great big pipe and he plays it and he teaches it to people all over the world. Vincent, he has classes in the didgeridoo. I thought it was fascinating. So he's going to come on one of my radio shows in a couple months. So let's go around the table and do some introductions. Serge, would you please, I tell you what, I did the math. You know, I have a special calculator, an audience recall calculator. No, we don't recall audience, but what do they recall? And Serge, you've been on the show so many times. I found that there are 9.72 people in the world who don't remember you right now. 9.72 people. <laughs> Suzanne, for you, it's everybody because you're new to the show. So Serge, would you please talk to those 9.72 people, bring them up to date on what you've been up to and your passion for music and composition. Welcome back, Serge. Thank you very much, Bunny, for the invitation and for the opportunity. Hi, everybody. My name is Serge, and I'm working in a large uh, software company together with Suzanne. And uh, also my passion, as Bunny said, uh, is music. I'm a composer, and I'm starting to write more and more for a uh, real instrument. Uh, I'm, I'm working with my studio behind it. But uh, now I have chance to hear my music played by on, on stage by uh, musicians with a very high level. And Nelson is helping me a lot on that to do this thing. So very glad to meet you, uh, Bonnie, everybody today, and very glad to, to join uh, the team today. Thank you. And Serge, just tell us just briefly also, what's your relationship to AI, chatbots, chat GPT? Are you using it or not in your music? Uh, no. No. Okay. I'm using I'm using support and software a lot a lot of them, but uh, AI and 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 things like ChatGPT, which is not exactly the same thing. I've tested some of them, and we discussed that in the past. But uh, no, I don't use them. I prefer to do that with my hands and with my ear and my heart, and we'll discuss that later. Thank you very much. Welcome back, Nelson. Same nine point seven two people who don't remember Serge, don't remember you. Bring us up to date. What have you been up to? And welcome back, Nelson. Thank you, Bonnie. Hi, everyone. Uh, so I will follow your first quote, and uh, I am literally uh, a guy 
who write music but who isn't a composer. I write the music for the composers. They have to express themselves. And as an orchestrator, I put this music on paper. That's my job. That's my passion also. And uh, maybe a little bit with uh, generative music. I uh, sometimes code softwares who do a generative music. So uh, when I, as I don't really like to compose, I work for composer or I ask the machine to compose for me. Interesting. And do you like what the machine composes for you, Nelson? Oh, uh, it's it will it may be uh, the composer act to code the machine. So yes, I like it, or I work with the machine until I like what it did. Ah, interesting, interesting. Generative and iterative, right? Let's just keep doing it until. Thank you very much. Welcome back, Nelson. Newcomer today, Suzanne Beckers. Suzanne, welcome. Talk to the whole world. Tell them what you do and what's your passion for our topic. Suzanne, welcome. Hello, world. Sorry, I could not resist, but <laughs> well, um, cool, good. Hi, everyone. My name is Susanna, as Bonnie already introduced. Um, my professional career began with a PhD in numerical mathematics, and that eventually also took me then to become a manager of a machine learning team in a large software company, as Serge already introduced. And uh, our machine learning team there is delivering AI into business processes. So normally the AI we are developing is not dealing with music, but rather with business data on customers, on their buying um, interest and so on. What I like about delivering AI is that it's always a continuous journey. It's always an exploration. We never know what's going to happen. So it's always finding something along the way. And this is super exciting. It's always research, continuous research. Um, while having a big business impact. And well, that really aligns nicely with mathematics, logic, and also philosophy, looking into the direction of ethics and what does it mean for humans and machines to interact with, with each other. Thank you very much. What's your favorite kind of music, Suzanne, since you're, you're our non-musician on the show today? What, what, what do you like to listen to? Ooh, that depends really on my mood. Um, usually, <laughs> I think rock. I like rock a lot. That gives me power for for my day and my job and my fun. So yeah, rock music. I'm going to ask you what kind of rock, because I'm from the rock and roll era, the, you know, the Elvis Presley and the, all the, all of those people, the early, early rock and roll from the, well, I, of course, from my mother's womb, I heard it, you know, I wasn't around, but uh, <laughs> the, the real rock and roll, the Four Seasons and, and the Shirelles and um, th those groups, Beach Boys, later. all of that. A bit so, later. <laughs> a bit later. Okay. How would you label the rock that you like? Energetic. Energy. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> nice to meet you, Suzanne, and welcome. Vincent James, my good friend. So many years I've known you and Joanne Pierdomenico, your wife, and all of your wonderful work educating people around the world about the value, the benefits of music. So, Vincent, I know you're in a car today, but I, I know you have great audio. So, Vincent, 9.72, you get the same number of people. Remind them <laughs> who you are. <laughs> welcome. Go ahead. Thank you so much, Bonnie. So Vincent James, uh, along with my wife, Joanne, we're founders of the international nonprofit, uh, Keep Music Alive, and two music holidays, uh, Teach Music Week in March and Kids Music Day in October. And we partner with over a thousand music schools, stores, and organizations to help us celebrate each year, just trying to advocate for music education wherever we go. And we also do musical instrument petting zoos year round, going to schools, libraries, and festivals, bringing lots of different instruments for kids to try out. Vincent, 
What's your favorite kind of music and you're a performer as well. Tell us a little bit about what you do and your, your special company where you create love songs for people. Talk to us. Yes, thank you. I am a, a songwriter and a performer uh, for many, many years. I guess I can say decades, right? And uh, <laughs> uh, I do write custom songs for weddings and anniversaries through my website, lovesongs.com. Uh, not as much lately because I've been so involved with the uh, music education advocacy work that we do. And uh, I love really all styles of music, but really anything with the melody. If it's got a strong melody, I'm there, you know, whether it's something from the 40s or something from today. Vincent, tell me something. What is your, right now, if you were turning on the radio in your car, what would you want to be listening to? What would, what would music would make you feel really good today? Oh, I'd love to hear, you know, old Genesis. I'd love to hear Journey from the 80s. I'd love to hear, you know, some of the Justin Timberlake stuff from the last couple of years. Really, you know, love all styles of music. If it has a melody, I'm there. If there's no melody, then I'm kind of switching the station. <laughs> Okay. And and the way we listen to music has changed. We're not talking about that today, but think about when all you had was a transistor radio, my dating myself, and then you had my mother and father invested in this great big stereo that was in the living room with Macintosh speakers. Can you imagine what my dad paid for? (laughs) Two foot, three foot tall Macintosh speakers. And my mother would listen to music from somebody on one of the New York stations. I'd come home from school and she was listening to to a, a, a DJ. He really was way above the class of a DJ, but his name was Charles Duval. Nelson, that's Whoa. for you, and that's for surgery. For Charles <laughs> Duval, and he played wonderful Sinatra types of music, you know, the classics, and it was just fascinating, but the speakers were great, and, and it was just that time of, and then we now we have Pandora, and we have all kinds of streaming services, and so how we consume music has certainly changed, and that's part of the change in technology, absolutely. Thank you all for the bios and your relationship to music, and let's get started with the opening quotes. If somebody is a new listener or viewer, I'll tell you that I asked my guests on all of my shows to send me a quote from a fictional character in a movie or a TV show or a song lyric that has literally nothing to do with the topic and they're going to relate it to the topic in their own words. So Serge Hoffman has selected a quote from The Architect played by Helmut Bakaitis. The movie, The Matrix. Oh, Suzanne likes that. Am I, am I saying it right, Suzanne or Susanna? How do you want me to pronounce your first name? What do you want? Susanna's fine, thanks. Susanna, okay, I want to make sure I heard you say that. The Architect in The Matrix Reloaded, 2003 American sci-fi action film written and directed by the Wachowskis, a sequel to The Matrix in 1999. Keanu Reeves, Lawrence Fishburne, Carrie Ann Moss, oh, on and on and on. And they added Jada Pinkett Smith to to the cast. She wasn't in the original one. And here is the quote, denial is the most predictable of all human responses. Oh my, Serge, that's heavy. Talk to me. What does that have to do with our topic today? <laughs> yeah, the, the idea is that uh, can AI replace the human or the composer in, in this in this situation? And um, some people will deny it. Uh, and this is what, what I was uh, meaning earlier when uh, you asked me the question. But I think we have to use it. Uh, and I think Suzanne will agree with me that we have to use uh, the capability of the machine as much as we can to, to benefit from it and leverage it, whatever we can, to the limit we want, right? Uh, as Nelson was mentioning, until you like it, and also uh, in, in the direction you want. So if you want to have something repetitive, uh, not very sensitive, you can use it, okay, an AI system, but uh, denial would be for me to say, no, it will not replace the, the human uh, composition. And uh, for me, it's uh, 
It's not a denial, it's um, a truth, my own truth. <laughs> the truth, thank you. La vérité, right? La vérité. Okay, thank you very much, Serge. Nelson, I'm going to you. You've picked a quote from The Good Place, an American fantasy comedy TV series that ran on NBC TV from 2016 to 2020. Four seasons, 53 episodes, and this is from season one, episode seven, The Internal Shriek. And it was created by Michael Shore, and in the show, I watched it a couple of times. It wasn't my cup of tea, but I, it's interesting. Eleanor Shellstrop, played by Kristen Bell, perky little blonde actress, is welcomed after death to The Good Place, which is a selective heaven-like utopia designed and run by the afterlife architecture, who else but Ted Danson plays that role, as a righteous afterlife reward. However, she realizes she was sent there by mistake because she hasn't always been that ethical and she tries to change her ways. Now we're talking, the quote is from Janet, who was an artificial being, how appropriate, who helps the residents, played by an actress named Darcy Carden. And let's see what she says. <clears throat> Again, I'm not human. I can't die. Here's the quote. I am simply an anthropomorphized vessel of knowledge built to make your life easier. Nelson, what a fabulous quote. <laughs> I think we all need a Janet, but Alexa may be our Janet. It's possible. So go ahead, Nelson, tell us how you picked, how'd you find this quote? Go ahead. Nelson, you're still muted. You're muted. Unmute. Thank you for reading the quote. So um, yes, so Janet has to interact with uh, with uh, with the humans to serve them in a, in a, in some kind in some kind of paradise. And um, the humans sometimes ask a lot of questions about Janet. Sometimes they just ignore the fact that she's not human. She's something that they can't describe. And uh, this series highlights in a, in a lot of different ways that uh, humans try to relate or to compare themselves with a lot of things uh, that they, are, they do not need to compare them with, uh, with these things. Uh, so with this quote, I wanted to ask a question. Should we always compare AI to what we are? Or could, uh, could we not consider it simply or by default? as at something uh, different and, and complementary to the human. Very interesting. How did you find the quote? And there's so many, so many episodes, 53 episodes. Did you just, I'm just curious, did you do a Google search on quotes by Janet or did you find it by, uh, talk to me. Uh, uh, I, I like this, uh, this character a lot and I already had a quote and picture. So she keeps me motivated when I have a lot of work. <laughs> Thank you very much. I hear that there are many versions of Janet, the good Janet, the bad Janet, the not so good Janet. There's all kinds of versions, or I guess that's what you get when you're a machine. Thank you, Nelson. Let's go on to Susanna. Susanna has picked a quote stated by Deep Thought, a character played by Helen Mirren, a very, very celebrated actress. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which was based on a media franchise created by Douglas Adams, and this was a 2005 sci-fi comedy film. Let me read a little bit. Deep Thought is a computer created by a pan-dimensional, hyper-intelligent species of beings. Mm, Three-dimensional protrusions into our universe are ordinary white mice. Okay, she's smiling. I've never heard of this. To come up with the answer, capital A, to the ultimate question, 
capital U, capital Q, of life, the universe, and everything. Deep Thought is the size of a small city. After 7.5 million years of calculation, the answer finally turns out to be 42. I'm going to stop right there. Very, very interesting. And here's the quote. Okay, the answer to the ultimate question of life, the universe, and everything is 42. Boy, you have my interest on this one. Susanna, tell us, what does this have to do with our topic? Can't wait for this one. Yeah, let me expand the arc a little bit further and say, okay, humans, we always try to find reason. We try to find meaning in our lives. We also express our feelings, our thoughts in art. And there's the connection to music, right? Um, and then with, we are always asking, where do we come from? What is the meaning? And that is the question here in the book. And then the answer is 42. And we struggle with this because there is no explainability. And this is also what we are struggling with whenever we get an AI machine prediction, right? Where is it coming from? We just get the result and we ask ourselves, what does it mean? And then the twist in the book is also that the big computer to solve what is actually the question to that answer is then the Earth, implying somehow that the compute is not a tech technique anymore or the, the technological solution, but the compute is then done by the humans and the earth and all living on earth. And that is saying that the humans are now the part of the computer. For me, it connects the neural networks and the human brains, right? That's somehow how neural networks come into play and the idea um, arose. And there, for me, then comes up the question, do we consider our brain as a computer? Do computers just um, replicate our brains or, and that is very ph philosophical, do humans actually consist more of more than our physics? So is there any soul? Is there any spirit? Is there the spark that creates art in a different way than a machine can? Very interesting. And you know, the reverse as you're speaking, Susanna, I'm thinking when you get a, meet a person who's very smart and they're rattling off a lot of quotes and a lot of numbers and a lot of science and you say you're talking like a machine you're you're like an automaton because you're so so focused on this we, we right Serge we have related people to a machine when people are acting without that emotion and that passion that we don't have a way to perceive it instantly when they're speaking when they're emoting in their body language so we've been saying you're like a machine and now we have machines that are trying to be like us and where does that right Vincent and where does that all meet where's the intersection of machines that want to be people but what kind of what kind of people do they want to be Isn't, I just thought of that what kind of people does a machine want to be or what kind of person? Interesting. That's a whole. That's a whole other show. Thank you, Suzanne. I, Suzanne, I really appreciate. Very interesting quote. I can't imagine Helen Mirren playing Deep Thought, and I have to go. I have to go watch that. Thank you, Vincent James. I, I love this quote. It reminds me of something Seinfeld or George would have said on Seinfeld or any comedian. The quote is from Shrek, voiced by the wonderful Mike Myers. Shrek, a 2001 American computer animated comedy film. Did you know, Vincent, that it's considered one of the most influential animated film of, films of the whole 2000s? Do you know that? It is very, wow. very celebrated. It's loosely based on a 1990 children's picture book by William Steig, or Steig, S-T-E-I-G, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Mike Myers, Eddie Murphy, Cameron, Diaz, John Lithgow. Wow, what a cast. Shrek, an embittered antisocial ogre, finds his home in the swamp is being overrun by fairy tale characters who are banished by the obsessive ruler, Lord Farkov. 
played by four quad played by John Lithgow with donkey's help, who is voiced by Eddie Murphy. Shrek makes a pact with Farquaad to rescue Princess Fiona. Oh, no, Cameron Diaz, in exchange for regaining control of his swamp. Now, I have the scene. May I read the scene, Vincent, to lead up to the quote? Okay, I'll get to the quote in a second. So Farquaad, I'm going to call him, says, Indeed, Knight's new plan, the one who kills the ogre, will be named champion. Have at him. And the men say, get him, get him. And Shrek says, oh, hey, now come on, hang on now. And the crowd says, go ahead, get him. And Shrek says, can't we just settle this over a pint? And the crowd says, kill the beast. And Shrek says, no, all right then, come on. And here's the quote Vincent has selected. Oh, yeah, ha, ha, thank you, thank you very much. I'm here till Thursday, try the veal, ha, ha. (laughs) (laughs) That's what comedians all the time, they say, tip your waitresses, I'm here all week. So anyway, the captain of the guard says to Farquaad, shall I give the order, sir? And the Lord says, no, I have a better idea. People of Duloc. I give you our champion, Shrek says. What? Congratulations, Ogre. You've won the honor of embarking on a great and noble quest. Shrek says, quest? I'm already in a quest. A quest to get my swamp back. And the Lord says, your swamp? And Shrek says, yeah, my swamp, where, where you dumped those telltale, those fairy tale creatures. All right, Ogre, I'll make you a deal. Go on this quest and I'll give you your swamp back. So the quote again is, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. I'm here till Thursday. Try the veal. Ha ha. Sounds like Elvis. <laughs> Vincent, where did you find this fabulous quote? I had so much fun looking it up. So, you know, when I hear that quote, you know, and I think of that quote, I'm thinking of, you know, Shrek being the performer. Okay. And you go back to the ages of the uh, the Romans, you know, where, you know, violence, you know, was entertainment for the masses. Uh, and then their Shrek was entertaining by, you know, defeating Lord Farquhar's, you know, soldiers to become the champion. Uh, and then how I can relate this to our topic today of the artificial intelligence and music is, you know, give, it's kind of like the thing you give people what they want, you know, then they cheer and they cheer. So my fear with artificial intelligence and composing music is, is what if it, you know, gets to the point where the average person can't tell if a song was created with a computer or a song was created by real human thoughts and real human emotion. And so they'll just accept it. Uh, kind of like we accepted MP3, you know, digital versions over the, the vinyl, even though the sonic quality was less, you know, we became used to it and we accepted it. So it's, to me, it's scary as all, you know, that we may lose the ability humans to compose songs because we won't be given the opportunities because computers will be doing a good enough job that the masses will accept it, you know, Thank you, thank you. You know, we're here till Thursday. Try the computer bits. <laughs> thank you very, very much. Very interesting. And it reminds me, uh, Vincent and everybody, that for years many people have been playing games when you call a customer service line of a company. If you're lucky enough to have a customer service number to call, are you talking to a human? Or the when you do a, a, a chat online, if you're on a company website and you're trying to buy something and it says, do you have any questions? And a little chat box pops up. We've all been wondering, is it a real person or is it a chatbot? And I will often type into the box, Suzanne, I'll say, are you real or are you AI? I will, no, my name is Bob and I'm real and I'm in Tuskegee, Minnesota, or wherever, wherever it is, Tuskegee, Alabama. Yeah, let me help you. And then I realized it, but I still don't really know if it's, right. so we've been, right, Vincent, we've been playing that game of are we talking to a chatbot? I mean, I know Alexa, she's in the other room. By the way, 
I didn't realize she records absolutely everything I say and every answer. And if you go to Alexa.com and privacy tab, you can see a transcript of everything you said to Alexa and all of her answers in case she says something and won't repeat it and you missed an answer. I didn't know that until the other day. I guess everybody knew it except me. Duh. Thank you very much. Great quotes, everybody. I'm going to move on. Serge, you wanted me to mention something before I go to your, your first uh, prediction. Is there something you want to say? No? Nope. That's okay. Go on. <clears throat> okay. So I picked prediction number one from Serge. This is very interesting. I, I, again, will pick a prediction from each of you and put it in the chat privately to you so you'll know what's coming up. If anybody wants to comment on what Serge is about to say, just wiggle one little nice finger at me and I will see you. So Prediction number one from Serge is AI in music will be like a fashion in like in any other domain and fashion changes. And he talks about Beethoven, B-E-A-T-O-V-E-N at AIVA.AI is a similar tool to the AI bots we've been talking about. He says, I use it to influence in quotes the creation of a new track. So I'm going to stop there. Yes, I did mention it. So is it AIVA? How do you pronounce that, Serge? Aiva, yeah. Aiva, okay. So tell us about this quote. Music in fashion, very interesting. And how, do, how does AI implicate or impact that? Go ahead. Yeah, what I was mentioning by fashion is that it is new. Uh, ChatGPT is new, uh, AI is new, and a lot of buzz at the moment on that. But uh, next time there will be another buzz and it will be replaced by something else. This is what I was mentioning by fashion. But also in terms of, of tools which I use, Beethoven, as you were mentioning, another one called Ava, another one called, uh, there, there are a lot of tools, uh, even ChatGPT said they can provide uh, more, more tools to help us. Uh, but uh, it's not that those tools are not good. They do their job. They do uh, repetitive music according to what you want them to do. And it's, it's perfect. They're, they're working fine. But when I do music, I compose music, it's for a purpose. And that purpose is for a film, for a director or for an event. And, and uh, I ask uh, the, those uh, who ask me to, to do this uh, composition, what is the emotion you want to convey and how I can support those emotions with my music. And I'm working in a very mathematical approach. This is why I like though, though, to discuss on, on that, uh, meaning that uh, I start first with the melody very often. And then like in mathematics, you have the, the function and you have, I don't know how you say it in English, the first derived and second derived level. Right, mm -hmm. and which I call abstraction level, and and first the first level of abstraction will be the harmony. So you have to create chords in which the the, the harmony will go nicely or not, and then on top of the chords you have to to see in which scale you you are or scales with a uh, with several scales. So it's a whole ensemble that you have to 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 build. Right in this um, theoretically uh, the logic is is the master, but then it goes what you feel are the emotion that you're supposed to deliver, uh, delivered, right? And then uh, there could be some accidents that some notes or some harmony are not exactly in the scale, in the right uh, suite of chords or, or whatever. And, and, um, and then it becomes interesting because it generates something. So when I compose, uh, I try to be in kind of flow, right? To make sure that I, I am within my, my intention and that the intention is delivered. And uh, so I'm very curious also to hear the comments of, of Nelson, who wrote uh, two of my compositions uh, recently. If, if he saw that those, those emotions, uh, if they are passed apart from the logical composition of, of the music. But going back to what Suzanne was mentioning earlier, I think, yes, there is a type of uh, sensitivity that only a human soul or human heart can bring into the music, which is uh, make 
people remember what you have composed. Those music examples you said, you cannot remember them. They are just, uh, you know, emotionless. You cannot remember them. But that, when they are themed in various songs of Genesis or Super Trump or Pink Floyd or whatever, you know, the, those composers of progressive rock, you remember still today, right? And, mm -hmm. and even today, there are a lot of things like this. So as a summary, uh, and I said, yeah, music is a fashion, um, AI in music is a fashion because there will be new tools tomorrow. We don't know them yet. But also music uh, used for composition is uh, useful until some point when, when you want to deliver real emotion, uh, music cannot help you. You have just to listen to your heart. And when you hear something, does it produce uh, the emotion or not? I find that music does evoke a lot of it emotions in me and there are certain types of music I will not listen to if I'm home here alone and I'm having a very quiet day because I know I will cry. I seriously know that these songs, whether they're bringing back memories or whether they're just making me feel sad or wistful or thinking of somebody who's not around anymore, music is very, very emotional and that's where it hits me very, very hard. It either makes me want to run in the other room, play my drums or dance if it's from the disco era because I was a disco queen back in the day and or it just makes me think of, of growing up or of my family or of something. Susanna, talk. Go ahead. Sure. Just the discussion that just inspired me, right? I'm, I'm thinking if the um, creator or the maker of a guitar um, do they have a specific mood in mind? No, they are just creating the tool. And I just want to compare this with a data scientist creating an algorithm, which is then a tool to compose something, right? The algorithm doesn't completely run by itself. It's also triggered by a human, and a human has a specific intent to run that algorithm, to play that guitar, to create some emotions with that. Just a thought on this. Very, very interesting. Yes, the, who inserts the emotion into the music. Vincent, you write love songs. Any thoughts about who, who are you addressing? I know you do them for a wedding or for probably a quinceanera or a sweet 16 or for, for an anniversary party or retirement, love songs for Valentine's Day. But how do you know what kind of emotion to put into your music, Vincent? So typically I'll talk with uh, the client and ask for the story. And I ask them to tell me as little or as much as they feel comfortable in sharing. And usually I'll get pages and pages and pages. And honestly, Bonnie, I'll take those pages, print them out, uh, put them up on the piano and just sit there and look at them and just kind of feel, you know, the emotion that I'm getting from all the different parts of their story. And it's really that emotion that creates the music for custom songs like that, that I do for weddings and anniversaries and other events. Uh, but I, to, to Susanna's point, I could see where you, know, you could use AI to, Maybe, and, and I think Serge as well mentioned this, you know, to inspire where you go next. I mean, often we're inspired by other music. So there could be a particular mm -hmm. track or thing that, that AI creates that would inspire you to create the next step, something, you know, beyond that, that would have that special emotion that you would put into it. And the question is, can AI interpret emotion? If AI were writing that song that Vincent was writing, would it know where somebody's heart was really beating strongly out of love or out of meeting somebody or losing somebody or celebrating something? So that's part of what we're, we're talking about today. By the way, I came across this morning a series of 
Concerts for Children that were filmed years and years ago by the late wonderful composer and orchestra leader Leonard Leonard Bernstein. And he has a, I can send you all the link after the show, he has a five minutes of how music is created, music theory, music chords and compositions through all of the styles and all of the ages. I happen to come across it today and I have links to a whole bunch of Leonard Bernstein lectures on a stage with a piano and they're absolutely wonderful. So I'll send them to all of you. I think you'll you'll enjoy them. Okay, so let's move on. Thank you all for the comments, Serge. Great, great prediction there to get us started. Nelson, I'm looking at prediction number two. I like this. You say AI will highlight that much more than progressing in music and seeking excellence, we mostly just want to create connections and experience some human stories. That's a little bit on what we, we just talked about, but I'd like to get your take on that. Nelson? Yes, thank you, Benny. So it's a very different point of view, but the conclusions are almost the same as uh, the other, uh, what the other said. Uh, when uh, we listen to music uh, uh, in a concert, the result is uh, almost necessarily a disaster. It cannot technically be otherwise. However, we are satisfied with it sincerely. I also like it a lot. I think that it is a marker that music is, first of all, uh, a way to share time between humans. When we listen uh, to it at home on uh, on our headphone, we listen to the work that other humans have done together and share with us. I think we love the we, we like the music for the relationship it allows us to create between human beings, directly, direct relationship or indirectly. So uh, I, I think it it will be good to recognize the uh, mediocrity of what we listen to. Uh, mediocrity can be amazing and just uh, enjoy this uh, this shared moment, uh, this shared time, uh, one way alone or in a group or even better with live music. I like that. Very, very interesting. Telling the human story, that's what it's supposed to be all about, isn't it? And we've seen such a change in music. If you look at who's winning the awards, does anybody watch the Grammys anymore? I don't know about you, Vincent, maybe you do. I, I don't know who 90% of the people are. I have no idea what they're winning for. They play clips from music. I, I don't know anything about it. It has certainly changed. Going back, Serge, to your comment about music in fashion. We have so many fashions in music right now. And the question is, if AI and the music bots, I'll call them, are based on learning from patterns that have been fed into them, in other words, machine learning based on learning and learning and learning from what it knows already, will those fashions in music be infused into the algorithms? Will they know what the fashions are if they're not human? How how would Beethoven or whatever or the Ava you were talking about, Serge, how will it know that right now Lizzo is a star and maybe we want music that, that is based on Lizzo or we want music that's based on Lady Gaga singing a beautiful love song with Tony Bennett? How will it know what the fashion is? Isn't that interesting? Well, that, uh... Go yeah, ahead. But Bonnie, those systems need to be trained and, and uh, Suzanne can explain yes. more on that. You have to train those systems and, and educate them uh, first. And who is doing the training? And then we get into algorithms and bias and likes and dislikes the and all that. The, the programmer, the programmer, That's right. the creator. 
That's that's right. And then we get into who who gets the who gets the rights to the music of who's who's creating the the patterns. Let's move on, Susanna. I'm looking. I like your predictions one, two, and three so much. I'm going to combine them because I think there's a story here. I don't usually do this. I put in the chat for you. I'll read them. So number one is a progression. Everybody follow. She says in two years, music will be created instantaneously for you based on a live picture detecting your mood and composing accordingly. That's one. Very interesting. Number two, in five years, artificial sound creation will be indistinguishable from real sound. Create heavy rain dropping on a wooden roof. And in 10 years, 95% of new music will be created by AI. I like the the year progression you created, Susanna. Very interesting. So pick any of those or just take us through those two years, five years, 10 years. Go ahead. It's all yours. Okay, and I will be super curious how it's really um, going to happen. So right, just my gut feeling and why I took the two years in the first place. Because we already have all these different modules, but we just need to connect them. Think about your camera. We have image recognition. We have smile detection, right? So um, automatically, we can already detect if the person is happy or sad. And what I can envision, just stacking this together, having a happy sound and a happy person or having a happy person detected, having some happy sound. Just think about you're entering a shop and the shop greets you with a, something happy because you look happy or the shop tries to raise your mood because you look sad or something. Um, why not just plugging stuff together? Five years, uh, I thought about, okay, what is more complex we talked about music has some rhythm there's some pattern um and i think in a lot of rather random sounds sounds are more complex because they have some and uh serge and uh vincent and elson i guess know more about this music creation some like overlying um frequencies with timbre i think is, is the right word to um indicate if it's um, um on wood or on metal or something so and combining all this can give completely new um insights and i could imagine that to be used in gaming or um also then in commercials or something to create these sounds artificially and you don't actually have to make the sound physically and then looking at how we also evolved and that we have a huge internet community and social media, um, doing this in parallel with how images also, um, under the number of images also increased. There is a commodity now in 20, 30 years back, photography was a, a very um, specialized profession. Nowadays, everyone is doing it. And that's what I expect for AI-created music as well. If it gets easier, you don't have to be a musician to create music anymore. You maybe make some movements with your hand, you play your orange or whatever. So there's a lot of different technologies to create music nowadays. And that means that there will be millions of people creating music and sharing it. And then the part or the ratio of professionally creative music with people who really have the ear and the heart and can play an instrument will be super small, which is a pity, but um, humans, we also value the special parts. So I'm, I'm sure even though there's a huge amount of artificial um, intelligence created music, we will still cherish that special human insights, heart, emotion music. Thank you. Very interesting. Anybody want to comment on that? You touched on so many interesting things. We good, everybody? I just say I, just say I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I hope we will still treasure, you know, the human created, you know, pieces. Uh, and, and Vincent, that, 
Uh, go ahead. I was going to say that's a lead into your predictions I picked, but go ahead, Vincent. Fin finish, please. I mean, as, as AI continues to improve, you know, and you can tell it, you know, create me a 70s disco song that sounds like Donna Summer would, would have sang uh, or, or whatever, you know, a rock song that Journey might have done in, in the 1980s. Uh, as it gets better and better, you know, I hope that, you know, there will still be room to appreciate, you know, human created art of any kind. Well, Vincent, that goes to the question of when you read written by or composed by on a piece of music, whether it's it's on a listing on YouTube or whether it's on a piece of sheet music surge like you might write and Nelson might write and you might write, Vincent, whose name goes on it? Will it be the name of a human? Will it be Susanna Smiling? Will it be the name of a human? Will it be a nickname for a computer that wrote it? How will we even know if we're looking it up? What will the liner notes be? Serge? Yeah, I think there's also an ethical barrier that you, you as a composer can cross or not because those AI systems which are already existing, you know there are different plans as they call them. Five, five or ten dollars a month, or thirty dollars or twenty-five, and I think over over thirty dollars uh, a month, the copyright belongs to you. You're not obliged to mention it was by an AI, and this is where I think the danger lies, because you can send anything on YouTube, on internet, on on whatever uh, in La Sassem in French in France to say that you compose it, right? Uh, but then um, it was composed by an AI. But as long as you pay, uh, you're not you're not obliged to to mention the system, and this is uh, I think dangerous. Interesting. When we did my show with novelists and AI, one second, Nelson, just let me finish this. I'll, I'll call on you. When we did the show with novelists and AI, the, the concept came up that a copyright can only be granted to a human being or what we know is a human being. And then the question is, if a writer takes a passage that was created by a chatbot and puts it into his or her or their novel, AI will scour the digital version of that book and will know that you use that. Who gets that part of the royalties if the book, right, Vincent, is a big success? This is IP. This is law. This is ethics. This is copyright law. It's very, very complicated. And then they said, it said, and this is from ChatGPT, it said that, <laughs> I know, don't you love it? It said that the person who wrote the algorithm would get part of the royalties because that was the human being who created the AI that wrote that part of the book. Give me a break. Anyway, uh, Nelson, go ahead. You want to say something, please? Yes, it was just uh, to to continue with Cher. Uh, with Cher. Um, I think that uh, the human who choose the muscle, uh, who choose the piece, uh, maybe you can ask uh, the AI to create uh, three hours of music and the human who will pick the three minutes that he thinks they are great for me it's simply his music he he's a composer already uh, we already do it uh, composers can write every music uh, they want they can copy from every other composers they always do that it's normal there is no problem and the, this is a choice can we uh, easy the uh, the right emotion at the right time and uh, we can uh, use AI to, to generate this, and the composer is uh, the man or the woman who chooses. We haven't even talked about sampling of music in somebody else's song, right? There's a little sample from song from so-and-so, and we haven't even talked about plagiarism, because how many lawsuits have come up? Oh, you used three notes from my song. You can't steal that. It's like, what? Three notes? Serge, you want to say something? And Susanna, and we have to save time to do some predictions from Vincent, but I've got those teed up. Serge, go ahead. 
Now, very quickly, uh, yeah. you were mentioning uh, the fact that the computer itself is uh, uh, scanning, uh, the, uh, you know, if a passage was written by AI. Yep. It's the same for, for music. When you upload something on YouTube or on SoundCloud or any uh, streaming system, there is a scan to see if this, this part is, is uh, as a copyright or not already. So I think maybe this can be a way out and a way to protect uh, the composers. Question. Very, very important. Susanna, go ahead. You had something to say. Besides this legal discussion as well, right? Um, AI is not, or the music is not generated out of uh, hot air. It always means that it got triggered. It has to have some input. And the input is coming from the human. So the human says, I want to have some happy music with some bells or for snow, just create nice. something that reminds me of snow. So there is some creativity in the front as an input and then the hu and the AI is generating music. The human decides if he or she likes that music or likes to have it adjusted a little bit and afterwards he or she is publishing it. So in that flow, I would consider AI just as another tool, just like the guitar metaphor before, saying it does not generate whatever it wants, but it's generating or enabling humans to generate something they like. Thank you. The very, human very input. The human input into that, to me, is like uh, ordering a sandwich, you know. I want, you know, <laughs> ham, cheese, uh, tomatoes, whatever. There's no real musical creativity in that. Uh, hold the ham and hold the tomatoes. That's all Jack right. Nicholson wanted was the bread, right. the toast, right? Okay, we know right. that one. Uh, Vincent, I want to bring up your predictions because we're running very, very short on time here. Vincent said, I'm going to read two predictions. He says, like Moore's Law predicts for technology, AI applications will continue to improve at a rapidly accelerated rate. To paraphrase, Moore's Law suggests that computational progress will become significantly faster, smaller, and more efficient over time. And then he adds, even taking this into consideration, Vincent says he doesn't believe AI will replace real human music creators ever. Certainly not in our collective lifetimes. Vincent, very interesting prediction. Go ahead. Take about two minutes. Go ahead. Sure. You know, the AI is going to continue to improve at an accelerated rate, just like, you know, the transistors and computers of days gone by have done. Uh, but I guess in my heart and in my soul, I have I just personally have a hard time thinking that uh, AI and computers will be able to capture true human emotion in the same way that, that we can. I may be wrong, but I, but I, but I hope not. Anybody want to comment on that? Will agree? Agree? Serge agrees. Serge likes that. Nelson, what about you? Do you like that? That humans will still be the ones we're looking for for music creators? Yes, uh, of course. It's uh, for, for not exactly the same reason, but I totally agree with the conclusion. Susanna, mm, I think also. Due to the my excitement of tech, I would be also super excited if there are cool music creations by AI. So I would would it equally cherish saying the human did a great job and being super impressed by his or her skills. But I would also be impressed by the technology creating music which touches me. And I don't think that we will never go to a stage where AI created music will not be emotional. Or yes. So eventually, also our emotions will be touched by AI. 
And Susanna, I'm going to read your prediction number four. I think is a good way to wrap up in just two minutes for you to explain it. You say, in 20 years, first she gave us two, then she gave us five, then she gave us 10. Now 20 years. I had a guest on an early show many years ago, Susanna, who predicted something 50 years away. And I said, why 50 years? And he said, because nobody on this panel will be alive to tell me I was wrong. So I'm sorry, very morbid. So Susanna says, 20 years. Well, some of you will still be here. The market for algorithm-created music will be saturated and the disruption will create a different kind of music. What will that different kind be, Susanna? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. So why I came to this is like um, we had the rise of the Internet in the 90s. We had in the early um, 2000s mobile phone streaming sites. In 2010, we had social media. Then the start of generated AI in 2020. And now I think 2020, uh, 2030 will be somehow high time of AI music. And my expectation would be then 2030 afterwards, what will happen? And I thought, okay, where we are going with the tech, going maybe back to biology, is there microbiology that can create music? Is there anything, any, um, uh, not algorithm, but any, how do you say that? Like, like uh, cells or something from biology creating some music? I don't know, but let's can, see what's going to happen. Yes, can computers maybe read our minds, read our brains Ooh. and create music? directly out of that from what we're feeling. Qu quant yeah. Or quantic, quantic music. Now, now, you, now you're getting scary. Susanna, we talked about AI creating the sounds of raindrops or footsteps or thunder or whatever. You know, there are people whose, whose entire professions are sound effects for movies, right? And they know how to bang those things together and open that creaky door and walk across the floor. We've all seen them celebrated on various, various and sundry TV shows and backgrounds to movies. We have two minutes left. It, it, we all worry about, will AI take over my job? Well, am I a lawyer? Am I a doctor? Oh, AI is doing wonderful things in terms of diagnostics that are more accurate than human doctors. Oh, my goodness. Will it take over my job in whatever I'm doing in the technology field? And now we're talking about something that seems so simple but elegant, creating sound effects. Will AI take away those jobs? Very, very interesting. I want to hear footsteps across a Victorian mansion that's four feet, four, that's four levels tall, that has a lot of creaky boards and had the shingles replaced once. And then you get it. Wow, that sounded really good. Vincent liked that. Before we say goodbye, and you're going to stick around for pictures, all of you, please, I have a homework assignment for you. Everybody put up your, your index finger and wave it and shake it. And on the count of three, you're going to join me in saying no, no, no. All right. The question is, People say the future is already here. And we say one, two, three. No, no, no. One, two, three. No, 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 no. no. And the reason is that that was yesterday's future. Or maybe it was the future 10 minutes ago or 30 seconds ago. The future of now hasn't happened yet. And we're all going to try to make it a musically better one. Thank you, Serge. Thank you, Vincent. I'm reading in the order on my screen. Thank you, Nelson. Suzanne, you're an absolute delight. Thank you so much for adding the tech part to the, in addition to these wonderful musicians. Bonnie D signing off. Thank you to Andrew, my engineer at Voice America. Goodbye to LinkedIn. Goodbye to Facebook. Don't go away, everybody. Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now.